0: Welcome to Church in the Valley. Like Barry mentioned, this is my first time speaking this year in 2015. I wanted to thank uh, Jeep Underwood. He has been speaking the last two weeks and in the first weekend in January, Barry Rogers spoke. And so I haven't spoken the last three weeks. I've been sitting out there enjoying what was happening and me not being up here. So I really appreciate uh, both those men uh, filling in. I hope you were encouraged as I was listening Uh, from them. And uh, we're continuing the message series that Jeep started two weeks ago uh, called Convinced. And really, we've been looking at the impact of a convinced life, what it means to actually live in a way that has conviction, like you believe things to be true. And because that's true, it determines how you live, what you live about, and really what you are going to pursue in your life. And so we've been looking at The difference that a convinced person can make in the world. Ajit talked about the life of William Wilberforce. He talked about Paul and Timothy in the New Testament. And then last week, he walked through the process of, well, how how do you actually become a convinced person like this? How does it actually come about? It's not something that you just wake up and all of a sudden you're convinced about things. It, It actually comes by experiencing God, getting to know him through the scriptures, choosing faith. Choosing that the way he says to live is really true and and you're going to take a step and actually live that way. And so we're going to continue this morning, talk about essential convictions, really key convictions that really can make a difference in life. And today's going to be a little bit different than normal because you're going to get to hear from uh, three people. They're going to share just a little piece of their story about how they've been become convinced about a a specific area in life. And so our hope is that as you hear from them, you get a sense of how this works, Uh, because as you talk about being a person who really believes in the truth and lives by it, it can become a lot like theory and ideas. Uh, But today we want to hear from people that have actually taken this seriously. They've decided to become convinced of things and kind of see the impact of that in their life. So I look forward to hearing uh from them and I'm going to introduce them before they come up. Uh, before I jump into the series, uh we are the next couple weeks doing our uh, membership renewal here at Church in the Valley. And membership at Church in the Valley is not really like joining uh a country club where you go and you kind of sit and you enjoy uh just life. Membership is actually like joining a team. When you look at becoming committed to a group of people and being in a community of believers in the Scriptures, you see that that it's it's something that you commit to do, it takes work to do. You have to actually fight for community. It's easy to isolate ourselves, it's easy to kind of pull back from a group of people and try to do life by ourselves. But here at Church in the Valley, we want for people to always have consistent opportunities to join the team, and also to communicate to us that they want to continue on the team. And so uh, for the next couple of weeks, you have an opportunity, if you are a member of Church in the Valley, uh, to renew your membership. And what that means is, is that you want to continue for another year to help us accomplish the mission that God has given us. And that really is to help all people to become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. And we do that a lot through different things. A lot of things happen behind the scenes that our members are committed to doing. A lot of things happen in groups, like Barry mentioned. But the bottom line is, when you join Church in the Valley, you decide that you really want to run with a group of people. And you want to be committed to the group of people, and they want to be committed to you. And there's a sense in which we're really going to do what the Lord asked us to do. And so if you are a member, I just wanted to thank you for your faithful service to Church in the Valley. Uh, We could not do what we do without all of you. And we have a small staff here at the Alhambra campus. And we have so many people that come alongside us that pull and join hands and decide we are going to move forward together. We're going to push back the darkness with the kingdom of light. And I just wanted to express my appreciation for all of you who do that, who continue week after week to serve, to help to meet the needs of the community, to meet the needs of the people, and who are faithful members. And so if you want to continue in your membership with Church in the Valley, you'll see a form uh, that you'll find in your program. If everyone pulls that out right now as I speak, you'll see it's like a half sheet. And it says 2015 Membership Renewal. And you'll find uh, kind of what that means. And on the back of that is the membership commitment. And so if you are a member or you're not a member, I encourage you to read that. Because if you are a member, this is, again, what the commitment is based on. And if you're not a member, that will give you a clear picture of what it takes to become a member of Church in the Valley. And we're actually not an exclusive club. Uh, We want to be inclusive. Uh, We want to invite as many people to join in our membership as they feel led by God. So as you pursue God and you make him the boss of your life, oftentimes you find that you really do want to jump into a church and become committed to that group. And so we encourage you to do that. But for the next few weeks, I'd like you to pray about uh, renewing your membership. If you're already in, you know, I want to continue in that. Then you just fill out that form and you can drop that in the offering as that comes by. And as I mentioned, if you're not a member of Church in the Valley and you'd like just to find out what it means to join the team, uh, there's a place for you to check that as well on the front of the card. So if you could fill that out, if you need a pen, there should be some on the aisles if you didn't get one. But I encourage you as you fill out your connection card and you could fill out that out as well. That will be a great help to us. And so please uh, feel free to do that before you leave today. So like I mentioned, we're continuing uh, with this idea of living a convinced life. And what you find about living a convinced life is it actually does provide direction. And I think all of us would would agree that we prefer to kind of know where we're headed in life. Uh, The opposite of convinced is to be unconvinced or uncertain. And if you're ever uncertain about something, you have a sense of you're not exactly sure uh, what you should do. And you're not sure if you should do it, if you shouldn't do it. And uncertainty actually leads to a lot of confusion. And when you're dealing with the serious things of life, kind of what I should live for, what's the most important, what is really valuable, what's not that valuable, it, it really helps to have clarity it really helps to have kind of this sense of certainty knowing i'm moving in a certain direction in fact certainty and being convinced is is a mark of maturity and in scripture as you become convinced of how god works in the world you actually become spiritually mature as well and so maturity means that you're convinced so immaturity means that that you're not and i, I found that to be true i have young kids i actually have a 3 year old his name is jude And uncertainty is a good word to describe some of the things he feels a lot. Like in the morning, I'll ask him, hey, Jude, buddy, what what would you want for breakfast? And the typical answer I may get is, you know, I'd like yogurt, but I don't want yogurt. Okay. Do you want water with that? Yeah, water, but not water. And I find that he really, he wants something And I think whatever I say, he probably could want. But at the same time, he wants and doesn't want it at the exact same time. And there's a sense in which he's uncertain and he's not exactly sure what he wants. And then as a parent, you're, you know, you're pouring the glass, dumping the water. He says, yeah, I want that. Then you pour it. No, I don't want that. Then you dump it. And you just find you, you get big biceps from all the things that you're undoing. That hasn't happened yet. He's still, we need to. It's been three weeks, right? But it's interesting because what I found in life is, is there really is a sense in which as you talk about this thing of certainty and uncertainty, the confusion that we face really does build frustration. Confusion builds frustration and uncertainty takes joy out of life. And there's just a sense in which we keep kind of hitting the same wall again and again. And that's what a lack of clarity brings. There's just a sense in which we really don't know what path to walk on. We really don't know if it's the right path. We don't know if we should switch paths and we can kind of swirl around that. This happens just in kind of our direction in life, what we should be doing. It happens in our relationships. It happens in kind of each area as we try to figure out what we should do. But when you dig into the scriptures, what you find is God actually wants to come alongside us and cut through the confusion. He wants to lead us. He wants to direct us. And as you begin to do life his way, you realize that, like Jeep talked about, he's not coming to stubbornly force us to do things his way. God comes, actually, in a way that allows us, in our free will, to choose the direction we want in life. And God is graciously waiting for us to realize that we're confused a lot. And deep down, we may seem like we have it all together, but we're still trying to figure out what's going to happen to us in a few years. There's a sense where we're all we're all in that place. We're all a little confused at times. And so God comes along and he directs us and he brings us to a place where he shows us what it means to live with a certainty about life. And it happens as you get to know him. And so what I want to do is I just want to walk you through a passage really briefly that I think communicates what it means To live a convinced life. And then we're going to hear from people, three people that are going to kind of illustrate this from their own lives. And so like I mentioned already, becoming a convinced person is a mark of spiritual maturity. There's a passage in Colossians, which I think is helpful to describe kind of the process of how you remain convinced over a period of time. And it kind of has this picture of you get to know God, you continue to get to know God. You walk with God and you continue to walk with God. You continue to do life his way. And it's up here on the screen. It says, therefore, as you received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him. Okay. so as you've received him, there's a sense in which you've chosen that you want to be about what God is about. You want to do life his way. So if you want to be a convinced person that lives with conviction about what's really right, about how God has designed the world. You have to receive the Lord Jesus. You have to decide to do life his way. And so, so as you have received him, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him as established in the faith. So you see some key words, rooted and established. There's a sense in which once you've received him, you want everything in your life to point back to him. You want all the resources you have to gain their power from him. He's the source for life. He's the source for movement and direction. He's the source for how we know where to go and how to get there. This is what this means. So established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. And then check this out. It says, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy or human deceit. There's a sense in which people are always going to be coming with new ways for how life works, new improved success, new improved fulfillment, new ways to getting ahead. And the scriptures are saying, wait, don't forget who you are rooted in. You're rooted in the Lord Jesus. Continue in him and you have to fight against this. According to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the word and not according to Christ. For in him, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. So there's three things you see going on here. And these three things, I think, capture what it means to live a convinced life. These three things show you that this is the mark and it's found in this scripture. And you'll see it there on the screen. So spiritual maturity grows over time as we live by the Lord's desires. Living by the Lord's desires means that we really want to upset us, our lives about doing what he wants to do. We want to do life his way. That's what it means. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him. And so you want to live by what God says. And how do you find out the Lord's desires? You actually have to get to know God. And how do you get to know God? Well, you have to actually read the scriptures. You have to pray to him. And as you find out what the Lord wants, you have to choose to do it. But that's why you have to continue in what you've received. Because we can only choose to do the Lord's desires by the power which God gives us. We can't do it by our own effort. Continually, this is a challenge to me, I continually face challenges in relationships, face challenges at work, stresses, sickness, whatever I have on my plate. It can be overwhelming. And every time I choose to do things out of my own strength, it it doesn't do well. It doesn't go well. But every time I say, God, I I need your help. I need to continue in you. I need to get my strength from you. He, He provides the help I need. That's what it means. You, you live by his desires. And then you depend on God. You see that in the second part. Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith. There's a picture here of a tree. And that's quite an extensive root system that doesn't really do justice on a, on a picture. But this idea of rooted is something that it, it goes de- down into the earth. And that's where it gets its nutrients. And the Christian life is like this. Oftentimes you see the leaves on the outside and depending on the season of life, we have more leaves than others. And we could be feeling like I'm a withered winter tree or sometimes we feel like it's summer and life's going great. There's always a sense in which a follower of Christ realizes that growth and maturity is always coming from the roots that are linked to the Lord Jesus. The roots are always there. And so there's this dependence that we always choose Depend on God, whatever we face. That's what it means. You want to be rooted and established. Not human tradition, not by the things that may seem to make sense to culture, may seem to even make sense to us, but really what that makes sense according to what the Scriptures say. In the last part of this passage, you see, you start with Christ and you screen wrong thoughts and ideas. We all have ideas every day about how we want things to go. And we also have ideas very regularly about what we want to do in life. But There's always a sense as a follower of Christ to live convinced. You have to make sure that your ideas actually represent the right thinking. They actually represent what is true, what is right. You've had an idea and made a choice based on that idea and you've told yourself, what was I thinking? Have you ever said that like out loud? What was I thinking? I have so many times. I've even just, you know, out loud to myself, that was really dumb. Do you talk to yourself? I'm the only one. I'm talking to myself right now. But I sometimes do, it's just, what was I thinking I thought it was going to go a certain way, and it, it didn't. I can make some really bad choices. Continually, I can make really bad choices. But there's a sense in which to be convinced and to actually bring about the life that God wants me to live, I can't just abandon the Scriptures. I can't abandon God's way. I have to stay close. That's why rooted, being rooted is so important. I have to stay close. There's a pull on us all. To kind of figure out shortcuts in life. And certainly at work, as you're working on a project, a shortcut, if it helps the efficiency of the team, that's good. But shortcuts, when it's right or wrong, can get us into trouble. But Many times there's a pull in us because we want what we want. We just want to find the easiest way to get it. And In Scripture, a convinced person realizes that any time I deviate off the path, of living righteous before God doing what is right saying what is right thinking what is right I'm in trouble so a convinced person wrestles with this continually I've got to live by the Lord's desires I have to depend on God and I have to start with Christ and I have to to screen the wrong thoughts and ideas that always bombard me and screening is just is that really true? you just have to ask yourself is what that person said is that really true? Is that idea I read, is that really true? And the way you know is you have to compare it to what the scriptures say. So you'll get a sense, as we've been talking about convinced, there's a thing where you always have to, again and again, get to the scriptures, get to the scriptures. It's the filter. And that's why reading the Bible is so important. And I encourage all of you to do it. Because without reading the scriptures, you don't really have the filter. And so you could be getting rooted in a lot of different things. But if it doesn't all gather under jesus christ we run into problems we're uncertain and we're not sure kind of how to move forward in life and so i just wanted to give you this because i think this kind of captures three things that over time we each have to work on And this is kind of the the pattern of walking with god as you do this as you depend on him and as you start with christ certain convictions come out and you become convinced of certain things. And we're going to hear from three people uh, this morning. They're going to just share kind of a key area that they've become convinced about. And what you'll hear is different things like, you know, God is, is real. God is in control. God actually cares. God can change me. God is training me. You'll hear all these things. And what you find over time is the person that's convinced is banking on that being true, that God is real. God is in control. God is in charge. And what you'll find is as they share, I encourage you to listen. How did that, what they share, impact their life? And so I want to invite John Rickert up. John, if you could come up. John's going to share kind of just an area in his life that he's become convinced of uh, over time. And John has been a member of Church in the Valley uh, for quite a few years. He's a USC graduate, and he works uh, in architecture currently. Uh, John also uh, leads our sight and sound team here at Church in the Valley. So the fact that my mic is on is part of his leadership uh, here at Church in the Valley. And so John has agreed to share. And uh, after that, I'll introduce a couple more people. So, John.
1: Thanks, Alex. Uh, One of the things that God has really helped me to become convinced in, just really taught me over the years is the fact that he has a plan for our lives and that he has the power to bring that about just because he really is in control. And we can see that truth in Proverbs 19:21 where it says many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. I first memorized that verse in uh, college when I was a part of Christian Challenge and just throughout the years God has continued to grow in me and help me see the truth of that as I've gone through life it's really helped Encourage me and help me to really trust in him through the different circumstances that have come up in life. Um, one major circumstance way that God, looking back, God has really kind of helped me to see that happened in the last few years of my time at USC. Um, as many of you know, I, uh, in my junior year, I actually joined the USC football team, which was at that point the two time national championship defending team. Um, I had the honor to be a part of probably what's arguably one of the best football teams in college history. Um, but here's the thing, like that sounds impressive, but here's the thing is when I went to USC, that wasn't my plan to be a part of that football team. And I can tell you it wasn't the plan of those coaches to have a guy like me on that football team. Like not at all. Um, But it was God's plan. It's what he had in mind. Um, To give you a little backstory, I've played sports almost all my life, various sports, but I don't think I could ever really have been called an athlete. I was never really good at any of the sports that I played. Um, If you would've asked any of my coaches, cross country, basketball, my football coach, any of them, if they ever thought I would've played college football, let alone at USC, let alone at that time in USC's history, they would've said, no way. Like, I'm a big guy, but actually one of the things that I've really struggled with in sports is that I'm far too timid. That doesn't work well for college football when you're an offensive lineman. It just doesn't work. Um, you know, even in fact, um, when I applied to college, um, before I knew I was going to USC, I was planning on going to Wheaton College in Illinois, and I actually thought, you know, maybe I could play football there. So I went ahead and gave them my game tape, and I was visiting my – Uh, I think my sister at the time who was on campus there and I went and visited the football office and they'd watched my game tape and they politely said, no, thank you. You know, if you come here, we do not need you on our football team. So that kind of shows you Wheaton College is just not up to the caliber of USC, even when USC isn't at its peak. Um, so I ended up going to USC about my junior year. One day, Neil Walker, um, another student named Derek Cushman and myself got together and we just wanted to spend some time praying. And during that time, I don't remember who, but someone prayed that God would really just give us an opportunity to reach out to the athletes on campus. Um, Later that year, after challenge, we were all hanging out in Wendy's and Ray Armenta, who used to be a staff member on Christian challenge, had a daily Trojan and pointed out to me this ad net that says football tryouts. And he's like, so you're going to try out I don't remember what I said. I don't think I said anything. Um, and, you know, I didn't remember that that has been something that we've been praying for. But for some reason, it sort of stuck in my mind, like, you know what? Maybe I'll try out. I didn't tell anybody because I didn't want to be embarrassed when I didn't make the team. But so I went ahead and tried out. Um, now, let's look at Proverbs 19:21 again, because that's really the key here is that many are the plans in the mind of a man. But it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. I again I was not the type of guy that they wanted on that team um, as a part of the tryout process I had to go up to the Heritage Hall football office and, to sign up to be in tryouts and as I go up there an assistant coach finds out that I'm trying out for the football team and he comes out and he's like so you ready to knock some heads and I stood there and was like um, yes <laughs> again not not you know offensive line material not really um, during During the tryouts, we spent some time doing some running drills, and then we split up into our different sub-areas. So I was with the offensive line coach, and I was so out of shape. I spent the first, I don't know, probably three or four minutes with that offensive line coach just bent over trying to catch my breath. Like, again, not really college football material, um, but God, he's the one who's in control. He's the one that has a plan, and he's the one that can really bring that about, even – You know, by his power, he put me on that team. It was not by my own skill, my own abilities. Um, And even when I was on the team, you know, I actually faced some opposition from uh, one of the assistant coaches. But, again, it was God who wanted me there. So it was God who was able to even keep me there. And, you know, God has really used that, uh, you know, it's sort of humorous, but it really is true. I'm not the kind of guy who would ever be on a college football team. And God has really kind of used that to help me see that when God has a plan, he has the power to bring it about, whether or not it's my plan, whether or not it's the plan of the people who are in charge. I mean, again, those football coaches, not what they were expecting and whether or not it completely lines up with my abilities. But because it was his plan, he was able to bring it about, um, in recent years, you know, that it's actually helped me knowing that God has a plan, that he can do it, and that I can trust in him has helped me as we go through different things. Um, recently, it really helped me as my wife, Jen, and myself went through the process of buying a house. I kind of saw, felt like God was leading us, that that was the right thing, the right step we should do. Um, and although it was something I was excited for and wanted to do is also something very scary, you know, to go buy a house, it's, It's a lot of investment and uh, a lot of years and just a lot of uncertainties because you can check out a house, but working in architecture, I know all the little things that can be wrong and, you know, just can get kind of scary. But seeing that that's where God seemed to be leading, we just trusted in him and moved forward in that. You know, we prayed that God would lead us to the right house, that he would help us to sell our condo. And then we were able to actually just see him come through again and again in that process um, the house that we ultimately bought, we saw the price come down in it. Um, we actually uh, were blessed in such a way that we were able to afford more than we had been thinking we would be able to. Um, and then even when, from the indications, it seems like we were not the highest bidder on the house um, they gave us the house anyways because of a letter Jen had written to them. God had just really given them us favor with them. And so just seeing God come through again and again in that. And then as well, we were able to sell our condo for much more than our realtors ever thought we should be asking for. Um, and, you know, there was times in there where we really had to trust in God, where things seemed like they might be falling through or changing. But God really came through. And we were able to see his plan and just see him bring it about um, and, you know, I still from time to time, you know, struggle with worry, struggle with trying to do life by my own power. Um, and kind of like what Alex was talking about, you know, just realize, no, I need to reset my root back in God, back in trusting in his plan, because many are the plans in the mind of a man. But it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand.
0: Thanks, John. Why don't we give John a hand? John, is he's very humble, but he's still big enough to crush most of us. So, just thought I'd add that. Next, uh, we're going to hear from Stacy Klepsik. And Stacy uh, and her husband Mark have been a long time members of Church in the Valley as well. Uh, Stacy has really helped us in so many ways through the years. Um, when I first came on staff, I just remembered this yesterday. Uh, Stacy was our bookkeeper, and so she has helped in so many different capacities at uh, Church in the Valley, and so she's going to share a little bit of her story as well.
2: Good morning. Thanks, Alex, for the intro. Uh, One of the truths that I've become convinced of is that God will take care of me as I follow him and as I reach out to lost people. My spiritual journey began when I was part of Christian Challenge at USC. Neil Walker helped me come to faith in Christ, and he challenged me to share my faith with my peers. That concept was scary to me at the time. But as I got out of my comfort zone, I began to become convinced that God will take care of me as I reach out to others. I struggled with many excuses and fears as I set out to share my faith, and I continue to struggle with them today. Things like, I don't know enough. I'm inadequate. I'm not an extrovert. I'm too busy. I might be rejected or misunderstood. I have needs, too. Recently, I struggled with the question of how my needs would be met as I was giving my life away to others. Saying yes to a ministry commitment meant that I may not be able to meet my kids' needs. As I stepped out in faith, God has faithfully continued to meet my needs through people and changing circumstances. When we allow others to serve us, it opens the doors into their hearts. I experienced this with my friend Alicia. After I asked her to help me with rides for Timothy to get to soccer practice, there was a new level of camaraderie between us. I am continuing to ask God for opportunities to share with her as we cheer our boys on in sports and, God willing, go through their high school years together. Another struggle that I faced has been my personality. I am not an extrovert. Extending myself to meet new people and to engage with them can be exhausting for me. However, I have learned that introverts actually have advantages, which are key in building trust relationships. They tend to be good listeners, good observers, and are often good friends. My personality is no obstacle for God. He created me this way on purpose. He's taking care of me by providing extroverted friends who naturally introduce me to more people. This was the case with one of my friends named Margie from LA Fitness. When I was bewildered at how to break into the friendship circles all around me, she kindly provided an entry point for me to relate to other people. A second way that God has taken care of me in this challenge is to provide a few faithful friends who have been there for the long haul, and they have provided times of refreshment and encouragement for me that uplift me and energize me to keep trying. God also takes care of me by providing examples in Scripture of how to love people and battle fear. The first example is Jesus Himself. Mark two fifteen says. And it came about that he was reclining at the table in his house and many tax gatherers and sinners were dining with Jesus and his disciples for there were many of them and they were following him. Jesus must have been fun to hang out with for so many tax gatherers and sinners to follow after him. He spent time with people and he invested in them and he invited them into his life. I'm inspired and challenged to value people and to love them like Jesus did. The second example is Paul. In 1 Corinthians 2:1 through 3, Paul says, "And when I came to you, brethren, I did not come with superiority of speech or of wisdom, proclaiming to you the testimony of God. For I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. I can relate to Paul's fears in the midst of reaching out to unbelievers." What I find helpful is examining what Paul did about his fear. We see in Ephesians 6.10 that he prayed, and he asked others to pray for him. The final example is from Peter and John. These guys were imprisoned for sharing their faith. I might have been tempted to give up, but not them. Their response, recorded in Acts 4, was to worship God. As they focused on who God is and what he's done— Their fears melted away, and they were energized to carry on with the mission. Still, what if I fail? When I miss an opportunity, I don't despair. Instead, I prepare. Instead of beating myself up, I think through how I should have responded. Then, if the opportunity comes up again, or a similar one, I'll be ready. So in conclusion, I would really challenge you to see for yourself that God will take care of you as you love people and share truth with them. Take notes from Jesus and his disciples. Prayer and worship will go a long way in keeping you fueled up for the battle against fear and the investment of loving people the way Jesus did. Thanks.
0: Thank you, Stacy. Stacy, like she shared, is, is a she is a, a very faithful woman. And one thing about Stacy is she loves people. And what she just shared with you is is why. And she loves people because that's what Jesus has told her to do. And as she has chosen that again and again, she's had to really move past uh, feelings and emotions and just things that battle us to stop moving forward. And so I appreciate your. Your honesty. Um, I want to introduce last uh, Neil Walker. And it's interesting, John and Stacy both mentioned this guy right here who's about to share with us. Uh, This is Neil Walker. Many of you know him. Neil has led the Christian Challenge Ministry at USC uh, for many, many years. And that ministry really exists to help college students uh, to connect with Jesus Christ and to learn how to walk with him uh, over time. And one of the things you'll find as you spend time with Neil, is that he is a man of faith who takes God seriously. And that really has happened over time, again and again, him choosing that, that God's way really is best. So, Neil, we look forward to hearing from you. Thanks,
3: Alex. <clears throat> well, thanks. Um, oh, thanks for doing it i um I think I want to start with just kind of taking you guys back a few years when we first started um the ministry here we'd come out here and a lot of things were new, so we had a lot of adjustments to go through I mean there was just you know new culture, new area, new school new ministry uh a new we in fact then we found out we were expecting a new baby, and so it was like oh, uh, all sorts of new things uh, happening here, so it was just It was a very different time, and at the same time, we were facing some uh, adversity on several fronts, some just the attacks from the enemy and uh, things like that as we began uh, the ministry. Others were just some some attacks that we weren't really expecting in some different areas, and so those were there, and then we just had life that's just there. Uh, Probably like many of you are facing, you know, one of the things we found out is that, you know, sometimes uh, if your money runs out and your month is still there, it's tight, and, you know, what do you do with that? And so that was always a constant thing. We were uh, trying to figure out how to live on very little. And so we had that going on. And then there were just uh, other life things, just different uh, things that would come up in life. And so we were facing these. And over time, as you're facing things and you're facing different attacks and you're facing different adversities, and then you're just facing life, we began to look at it and we began to think, you know, um, this this is hard sometimes, and sometimes you never say it. But the things you begin to think inside are things like, uh, "Wow, are, are we going to make this? I mean, is this going to work? Should we really throw ourselves into this?" And one of the big questions that you know you begin to have is, you you're sitting there and you kind of vacillate. You're throwing yourself into the ministry, and at the same time, you're thinking, I "Wonder if we're going to be around next month to throw ourselves into this? I wonder if it's going to." Uh, Wonder if it's going to work, you know, because you kind of decide: should we pay rent? Should we eat? Should we do both? Probably do good to do both, and so you know, it's just different things back and forth like that. But that was going on for quite a while, and so um, this was uh, in the fall of um, 1989, and uh, most of you don't remember that because you weren't alive, but it was uh, true. In the fall of '89, we were there, and so we were uh, we were uh, um, trying to figure out what to do. And so I asked Melinda one day, I said, "Hey, Melinda." What do you think you want for Christmas? And she said, uh, "Oh, well, I'm glad you asked. You know, I was thinking I want a dryer. And I thought, a dryer. she like like a hair dryer. She know, like a clothes dryer. And I thought." Oh. Because I, I was really thinking, you know, I was thinking more along the lines of a sweater, uh, because I knew that those were on sale and they were cheap. And uh she was like wanting a dryer and I thought, Don't you like though that it's when we'd moved out here the dryer we had we had to get rid of because it you know, we had gas in the house and not uh electric and it was old anyway, trust me, it was on its last leg. So I was sitting there and I said, Oh, a dryer and she goes, You know what else I want? I thought, Else? Good night. Who do you think you're married to? Uh, you know, and she said, you know, I'd like a rocking chair. And I thought, oh, good for you. Uh, and so uh, we're sitting there, you know, and, and about that time, as, as I was going through this, I was reading this verse in Matthew six twenty-five through 33. It says, for this reason, I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink. All right. Suck it up. Okay. As to what you will eat or what you will drink. Nor for your body as to what you will put on. And basically the gist of the thing is this. He says, you know what? Your life is worth much more than that. Good night. Look at Solomon. Look at the flowers. Look at everything else. He says, seek first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. I am a girl sometimes. My gosh. And so, um, so, um. No offense to girls. Uh, but, you know, uh, so anyway, the long and the short of it is we're going there, you know. And, and so I'm thinking about this. And at one point, Melinda's telling me this. And I'm thinking, oh, maybe I should go out and charge this stuff. And I thought, no, good night. Then I have to pay for it. And uh, I knew, you know, we were so broke we couldn't pay attention. That wasn't going to happen. So I kept thinking about this. And I thought, well, and so Christmas comes, Christmas goes, and Melinda got a really nice sweater, and she really liked it. And quite frankly, she still has it, I think, but um, she had this sweater. And so, uh, you know, we're there, and it's about oh, probably two or three days after Christmas is over, and we have these friends in church, and they said, uh, you've got to come see our new house. And we go, cool. So we went over to see their new house, and they're there, and they said, you know, it's a great house. There's only one problem. I said, oh, what's the problem? He goes, all electric. I said, why is that a problem? He goes, well, we just got this brand-new gas dryer with all the bells and whistles, and we can't even use it. Melinda goes, dryer? And, uh, you know, the guy goes, um, yeah. He goes, we're just getting them to get rid of it. I guess he goes, you guys need a dryer? And I was like, what? we could use Yeah, I mean, how much do you want to sell it for? He goes, you can just have it. I said, no, no, you said it's brand new. I mean, we need to pay for it. He goes, okay, how much money do you have on you? I said, ah. I had a 20 and a 1. He goes, well, I can't leave you without any money pick one and give it to me and I'll take the, you can have a dryer. I gave him the 20, Uh, be encouraged. And so, uh, you know, we got the dryer, took it home and I'm sitting there and we're hooking it up. And this girl from SC had taken Jennifer out to the movies. She comes back and she goes, oh, that's really great. She goes, by the way, if you guys know anyone who need a baby bed, and Melinda goes, what? And she goes, yeah, do you guys know anyone who needs a baby bed? Well, the baby bed that had gone through our first three children had gotten destroyed in the move out here. The movers had broken two of the legs off of it. And we kind of thought the baby wouldn't want to lay like that. So, you know, we thought, okay, probably need to get a new baby bed. And so she said, yeah, this woman has one for free. And Melinda goes, what do you think? And I thought, oh, it's probably going to be one of those Bambi baby beds. It's green after 14 children with little teeth marks all over the end. And, I thought, ah. and so she said, well, you ought to look at it. So I said, okay. So I go up to look at it, and the girl says, uh, I said, how many children do you have? And she says, uh, just one. I thought, really? And she said, yeah. She said, we're just getting rid of it. She goes, because the baby was in it for like nearly nine months. Really? And so we're getting that, and um, I'm getting it out of the garage with her husband. It turns out to be a Jenny Lynn baby bed, exactly like the one we had, except it was a step up. And I thought, wow. And while I'm loading into the car, he goes, "Stop it!" He said, um, "Could you use a rocking chair as well?" Rocking chair. So we go home, and uh, you know, I'm trying to figure out how to put the baby bed together while Melinda's sitting in her rocking chair listening to the dryer. And <laughs> fun time. Well, I became convinced of, though, as you pursue the kingdom, God will totally take, I am a girl, take care of you. And you don't have to worry about it. He will constantly take care of you in every situation. So it's a good thing.
0: Thank you, Neil. What what you just heard there are uh, experiences. And even, even as Neil shares and he is tearing up, what you're seeing is a recollection of a God who's come through. And that's what God does. You choose to do life His way and you step out in faith. And you see God come through and you build experiences. And then those experiences become the very thing that you continue to choose again and again. God came through for me in 1989. God came through for me in 1998, 2008. And you see that that's what God does. As you trust him and as you're rooted in him, again and again, he comes through. And so I hope those were were helpful to you. Uh, We are about out of time. So really quickly, I'd like to ask you to finish filling out that connection card if you haven't yet. And on the back of that are some next steps that you can take. Uh, I think the most important step I would encourage you to take today is sign up for a group. If you're not currently in a group, this is one of the key ways that you can begin to build community with people and to with a group of people, learn how to experience God. And so if you're not in a group and you're not at Christian challenge like Barry mentioned, and you're just looking for a place where you can connect, I encourage you to sign up for a group today. Get to know a group of people where you can begin to learn how God works. And I I encourage you, that will really be a helpful thing in your life. So as you finish uh, filling that out, I'm going to pray. We're going to receive our offering, uh, sing a song, and then uh, you'll be dismissed. You can drop that stuff in there. So let's pray together. God, thank you for just the testimonies of these people who have had experiences with you. And they've seen you again and again come through. Uh, Knowing that, that your plans come about knowing that you're in control, you provide for us, and knowing that again and again, you don't rip us off. You give us exactly what we need when we need it. So I thank you for their lives and for the lives uh, of all of us. As we choose to do it your way, you really do make a difference. And so we want to celebrate the fact that you come near to us and you make a difference in the here and now. So we thank you for that, Lord Jesus, in your name. Amen.